I'm Daniela. Welcome to my podcast, because everyone has a story. The place to give ordinary people's stories the chance to be shared and preserved. Our stories become the language of connections. Let's enjoy it, connect and relate, because everyone has a story. Welcome, my guest, Lee Hurl. Lee is a determined, energetic, kind woman. She's an author, a TEDx speaker, a wife, a mother, and the founder of Meg Heart. Meg Heart is a social enterprise that offers a voice to those who have been silenced and shed light on critical societal issues. The voice of Meg Heart speak for them. It is an inspiring concept. Lee is here to share a story about the secret she kept hidden from many years for fear of judgment and to protect her children. I can't imagine keeping a secret like hers. She also pointed out that the average person keeps about 13 secrets. That got me thinking and counting. Hmm. Lee believe in the power of real stories' ability to change the world, and I couldn't agree more. That's why we have this podcast. This is another powerful story. So let's enjoy it. Welcome, Lee, to the show. I am very excited that you're here today, all the way from Australia. Yes, thank you. It is so great to be here. I'm really looking forward to our chat. I know, and thank you so much for waking up so early. You're welcome. So I know you have a story for us. Can you tell me why you want to share your story? I want to share my story because I found the power in saying six little words, I need to tell you something. The healing power that came with that was just incredible and I was able to start my healing journey. I couldn't. I was on this trauma roller coaster until I spoke out. Later on, I looked around and saw so many people silenced whether it be from shame, by regret or guilt, I thought I need to do something to help others and inspire others to speak out and break their silence. Lee, when does your story start? Really, my story actually started when I was born, really. (laughs) (laughs) You look back at my upbringing was very much don't bring shame to the family. It was all about how we were perceived on the outside. I was silence throughout my childhood, raised in very much um, children should be seen and not heard. We were I was raised to be silent and if anything bad happened or you did anything bad, you weren't to speak about it and you get yeah, whatever you do, don't bring shame to the family. Then I had a troubled relationship with my mother. I was desperate to leave home, so I married young. I had three beautiful children young. <laughs> It was when I discovered he had been leading another life with other names and with other people that I felt this enormous shame and guilt that I'd unknowingly walked into this marriage and regret. I didn't know what to do and so I stayed. It was during that time being silenced, riddled with guilt and shame, that the emotional abuse got really bad. Whilst I stayed, I became more vulnerable to that abuse. It wasn't until I spiraled down in deep depression into, I call it like I was in this big black hole, and no matter what I did, I couldn't get out. I kept saying to myself, wait until the youngest is 18, just stay because I didn't want to destroy my children's life. I didn't want 
Um, I had this thing that I had to keep the family together no matter what the costs were to me. So I kept telling myself, wait until the youngest is 18. And it wasn't until I became quite suicidal that I realised I needed to do something. So I finally confided in a friend, a really close friend, and said, I need to tell you something. Now, no one knew the extent of the secret that I was keeping. It was when I told her that I felt this huge weight off my shoulders and it started to shift. And I actually started to place the shame where it belonged and it wasn't with me. I started to make decisions that I felt that I should have made a long time ago. And finally, I had the strength and courage to leave that marriage and start my healing journey. Wow, what a story, Lee. How old were you? How is too young? You said very young. Yes, I was 21 when I got married, 23 when I had my first child, baby. <laughs> It actually wasn't until I was in my early 40s. I stayed. From 23, you had the three kids and then you were 40 when you when you find, find when you found out about the information about I was life. in my mid 30s. When I found out he'd been leading another life and discovered all of that, I stayed for nearly 10 years. Your partner was having the other life at the same time. That the other person knew about you? I have no idea. I don't think so. It was funny because some people sit there and think, did you go and find them? There was actually several other people because he had three other different lives he was going by. He had Yeah, three different names. Incredible. Yes. He, he stopped apparently, but I don't know what to believe. But I was just focused on my children not disrupting their life. They were the innocent ones in this and I didn't want to do anything to, to hurt them. And that's when I slid down into deep depression and suicidal thoughts. Yes, because you were keeping this secret. You could, you didn't have family or anybody to talk to. No, no, I was so ashamed. I was just frozen. And I became quite manic, the anxiety as well that came with it because I needed to keep myself so busy and I was so focused on running my business being a full-time mum doing everything for the children, that would keep my mind busy. So my mind would stop wandering to this secret. It was every time it would wander to the secret that I, looking back and understanding how secrets are and how they play out with us, that was the seed for the depression and the suicidal thoughts and the anxiety as well. What I'm confused is that the behavior that your husband will have had Because usually when somebody's caught into something like this, they feel guilty and they ask for forgiveness. But instead, you, turning it around, how is this possible? So it's funny. He turned it like initially he was very apologetic and then claimed that he was an alcoholic and that that's why he did what he did. Then claimed that he never was loved by his parents and he turned it around that he was the victim he turned it around that he never felt love from me and that he didn't get enough sex slowly it turned around that it was all my doing looking back at the time I didn't see it hindsight's a wonderful thing I could see that he initially took the blame to keep me but then turned it around to save himself and I felt so trapped I felt like I couldn't leave him because I couldn't destroy 
my children, but I couldn't stay because I I had so much anger. I just despised him and what he did. The man I saw was not the man that I thought I'd married. Mm-hmm. I understand that you you didn't know what to do. Your behavior as well probably affected your kids, even if you were trying so hard not to. Yes, yes. And this is another thing that's really important is I thought keeping it from my children and staying was the best thing for them. And in actual fact, it was the worst thing I could have done looking back. It's one of the biggest regrets I've got in my life. And that's why I want to speak out about it because children see they they sense, they can pick up things and they watched me you know, slowly go into deep depression and become really anxious. You know, it wasn't a good thing for them to see. They saw through it all and if I had have spoken out about it, got the help and the support that I needed, I could also be a great role model to show them how to face adversity, how to face trauma and teach them how to be resilient. That's one thing, yeah, your children don't need to know the details, but they need to start learning at a young age how to face things and how to deal with them. And if we're not setting the example, who is? Mm -hmm. Because unfortunately in life, no matter what we do, we think we can protect our children, but they are at some stage going to face some kind of adversity or traumatic events. It's really important, I feel. Yes, I feel that it's always better to be honest. As you said, not to tell details. They are human beings too. They're small, but they know sometimes more than you. Whatever you're feeling, they can feel it too. Exactly. And talking them through it and letting them understand how you're feeling and what you're doing to try and and deal with it or to try and get better. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So then what happens? So you talk to your friend. And that was an opening for you to stop feeling suicidal just for that conversation or there was more? Yes, I vividly remember it. She came over to my house and sat there in the kitchen. I just said to her, I need to tell you something. It was like dipping a toe in the water just to see how she would react. And when she showed me nothing but compassion and understanding, I felt so comfortable. I felt safe and I was able to just blurt out everything that had been going on for all these years. That's a terrible thing that you didn't have anybody to feel comfortable to share this story because you probably thought that she was going to judge you. That's so sad. It's funny because when I look back, that's why I say my story started in my childhood. I felt so alone, but I felt like I couldn't speak to anyone or tell anyone because I'd been raised where we're judged not to bring shame to the family. And That just kept playing over in my mind. There were so many times I desperately wanted to tell someone, but I just felt once I said it, I could never take it back. I felt like I couldn't control what they thought of me or my family. Yes. And I was really scared of my children finding out what their father was really like because no matter how what I felt for him, I know the children love their father, you know, really struggled with that. I knew I loved my children. I knew it would really hurt and destroy them, but it didn't destroy them. It doesn't destroy them. Do you think also the culture where you were raised, apart from your family, also the culture of of the country? I was raised in an environment, not only in my home, but in the community where there was so much judgment. And when I was raised, people couldn't come out 
as being gay. There was so much judgment, couldn't be their real self. So when you look back, we have come a long way, but we've still got a hell of a lot to go. Mm. We still have a lot to learn and to grow. So you told your friend and what happened after that? What happened after that was I started to plan to work out how I was going to leave, started to look at what the future would be like for me, what I wanted. I started to envision what I wanted to do and achieve and then how I needed to do it. Yeah, I finally left him. It wasn't easy. Did your friend give you ideas? I'm sure it wasn't just not one conversation. No, no, no. There were many conversations. And then I started confiding in other people as well, other close friends and my parents. I told my parents that was the hard, one of the hardest things I had to do. It was incredible how she reacted to me And that's one really important thing I like to talk about as well. She sat there and she was so present with me and asked me questions. And when I was in that moment, because I'd been on that trauma cycle, or I call it the roller coaster, and I hadn't got off for years, your thinking isn't that clear because you haven't been able to process it and talk it through. Having her ask questions and being able to talk it through really started making things look a lot clearer in my mind. And that's when I was able to start making the decisions that I needed to make. Her being really supportive, she didn't tell me what I needed to do. I mean, she could think, see the situation clearly and could clearly see what I needed to do. But instead of telling me what I should do, she asked me questions and I started to realise what I needed to do, which was so important because it empowered me. And when you are a support person for someone who is going through something traumatic, it's really important to not tell them what to do even though you can see it clearly, you're disempowering them. You're really taking any power away that they're grappling to find. It's really important that you support and empower them so they can make their decisions for their life and what they need to do. And that's what she did with me which was fantastic and it really helped me feel strong, feel like I can do this, I can get through it because it wasn't easy. Think, oh, that's it, I've, you know, the end of the marriage, start a new life. It's not that easy to separate and then to go through a divorce. A lot of them get quite nasty. I can't imagine. Did you come across anybody that you were confiding in that actually were reacted to? the opposite wave that you expected? I had a few different circles. There were a few that were like, how can you bring that shame on your family? How can you speak about it? Funnily enough, they're the friends I decided to let go of. They were not what I needed on my journey. Yeah, Wow, I can't believe it. Your fear actually happened because you were afraid of somebody saying that and then they, you, you did get that. Yes, I was judged and rumours circulated. It's funny because what I was in fear of actually did start happening 
my ex-husband was actually one of them that started a lot of the rumours and I didn't care. When it really came down to it, I just thought, you know, they, it can't hurt me. I've already been hurt enough and I'm not going to let it hurt me if I really needed to focus on having the mindset that I wanted to have to get through and really heal and start to lead the life I wanted to lead. And how were your kids when they find out? They were devastated naturally, but I think it all made sense to them. And yeah, they've been able to go on and build their lives. It was very traumatic for them. Then what happened? You decided to get divorced. Yes. And it's funny, I thought I'd be on my own for quite some time. And I, I thought that's what I needed was to be on my own. And this wonderful man walked into my life. <laughs> I realized the universe sent him to me because, God, I needed him. <laughs> yes, and we got married a few years later. We're living the life we want to lead. I've got a wonderful husband. He's a fantastic stepdad to my children, although my children are now adults, young adults, and I've got wonderful bonus children, which are his children. Yes, you you got a wonderful partner, and then you came out with an idea. Yes, yes. When I met my husband, Steve, I was still on my healing journey. I actually think you're constantly on a healing journey. There were parts where I was still struggling with. I finally had someone that, that was so supportive and trusting. So he was a real big part of my healing journey as well. When I got to a really good place, we started to look around and see so many other people suffering in silence. And this whole mental health epidemic we were facing, and this is back in 2017, I had started writing and I wrote my story to help me heal. And then I had someone really dear to me went through a horrific traumatic time over a period of a few years. And so I helped her write to heal and it was incredible. She had such a transformation similar to what I did. And we decided that her story needed to be told. When we started putting it all together, we went and got legal advice. The lawyer told us that we had three options. We could stay silent and not publish the story. We could take parts of the story out because there's laws in Australia that forbid you to speak out about anything criminal that's occurred. So with the courts in Australia, the way the laws are, you cannot divulge a trial or any court cases publicly. So those things needed to be taken out or we could tell the real and raw story how it really is but under a pseudonym so that's when we or I realized that we could make a pseudonym and we called it Meg Hart and Meg Hart can speak for those who are silenced whether they be silenced by law whether they're silenced by a political system they're in whether they're silenced by shame and guilt and don't want to bring that onto their family or their loved ones. So there's many reasons why we've decided to create that platform to help people to break their silence so they can start their healing journey, but also to share those stories to inspire others to start their healing journey and heal. But one of the other big important things in our mission is to publish these stories to wake us up and ignite the very conversations that lead to change. So unless we start telling these stories, 
how do we really know what is going on? How can we start to face and and help heal our society if we don't understand what is really happening. I believe it's really, really powerful and there is something incredibly powerful in breaking our silence and sharing our story. So your friend, just by writing the story, she healed? through. She did go through therapy as well. Um, but it was really when she started writing, the process we went through was extremely powerful because I use the analogy of thorns in your side. It's like you've got these big, and for me, this is what it felt like as well. I had these big thorns in my side and they were festering away. Every time you could, if you walked straight, it wouldn't be so bad, but every time you'd move, like it'd, it'd be so painful and it'd trigger you. I struggled with living with those triggers in my life. Something would happen and it would trigger me. And so it wasn't until I started writing and when I would write, my mind would go back to a specific event that I was writing about, it can be traumatic. There's a way when you write, you then make peace with that event or peace with that person and you set it free. And it's like pulling the thorn out and letting that wound heal. There's so much power in writing, but doing it really in this way, it's kind of like this holistic healing. It's just incredible. It's so hard to articulate until you actually see or experience it yourself. But do you think there is a difference between writing your story versus telling your story? I think with writing your story, it's a little bit more intimate. You can really process it yourself. Speaking your story, it's very similar as well. I found writing was a much better way for me, but then I would share it by, you know, reading it or sending what I'd written to a loved one or a close friend. That was really powerful too. And so they could understand what was really going on in your head and, and how, what impact it had on you. Yes, I understand. I have met a few people that said that by sharing or writing it, so it's cathartic because... Yes, yes. The power is in releasing it, letting go of it, putting it out to the world, taking those chains off. When I would write about a traumatic event, I visualized that younger Lee, I would take her down to the beach because we live right near the beach and I would take the chains off her that were trapping her and I would set her free from that event. I still remember that event and I still know about that event, but it doesn't trigger me anymore the way it used to. Yes, you can be like the fly on the wall. Yeah, yeah, because I know that Lee's safe, like that she's she's safe and she's okay and she's going to be fine. Going through that process helps you get to that point. Yes, you're right. I have little things when you were little or when my father passed away. And I, and I also have this thought, like I go to see that young Daniela, I talk to her or hug her. Or, and I, I feel that that way is like, yes, so you know you're not alone. I'm here. It's quite an exercise that I learned to do as well. It is very much so. And then you take control of your mind as well because tell yourself, no, it's okay. Lee's okay or Daniela's okay. She's safe. She's going to be fine. Yes, that's true. 
And then the strength that comes from that is like you can face anything. So now with work or different aspects of my life, when something challenging comes up and, you know, I've had some big challenges, it's all in perspective for me and it, and I face that challenge. It's like, you know what, if I could get through what I've got through, I can get through anything. No mountain is too big for me to climb. You are a very strong woman that went through a difficult challenge and you managed through it. You keeping the secret is is an amazing power, even if it wasn't mm. a positive thing. Yeah. You know, how many people keep a secret, right? Well, how many people? We've research from the Colombian Business School found the average person has 13 secrets. So when you look at that, you start to go, wow. 13 secrets that you have not tell anyone. Yes. Well, when you think about it, look at it, it's secrets. There's all different types of secrets. There can be childhood secrets, smoking behind the school gym or sneaking out at like if at night, if you're like me, I used to sneak out at night. <laughs> <laughs> there could be a holiday romance you had or a private joke with a best friend that you've, you've sworn to secrecy. When you think about it, it's quite realistic. The secrets that weigh heavy on us, that cause us the most pain. The big ones feel like the weight of the world is on our shoulders. It's not so much keeping the secret, but it's how much our mind wanders to it that really leads to rumination. And it's the rumination that becomes the seeds for depression, anxiety, and suicidal thoughts. So you think about it, you know, if someone was raised in um, a household like mine or a community like I was, you know, they're gay or their sexuality isn't accepted into their society. How much does that weigh on them? Not be able to speak openly about who you really are. That's shattering. Or even not to speak openly to figure out who you are or what's happening to you and you don't know. Well, you can't figure it out because you can't speak it. You can't live. And we sit there and wonder why we have so much depression and anxiety and high suicide rates in our communities. If I think about the times of my grandparents, early 19s, people kept secrets. I don't think there was higher increase of mental illness compared with now. No, I don't think there were the pressures on society then and it was the communication wasn't around, the judgment. You think about it, you can't go anywhere now without being caught on camera. I think our society, there's been a massive shift. You'd probably be able to escape your secret a, a lot more back years ago. That's true. You know, I was looking at the um, statistics on suicide it was only a few weeks ago and it was interesting how the suicide rate even back around the First World War increased dramatically and then the Second World War and then Vietnam. Suicide was prevalent back then as well. I think it's just become a lot worse because of the way our society has developed. Mm. Or people just didn't speak about it. No, they didn't. It has increased. Just a little bit, but people didn't talk about it like now. And suicide, we didn't talk about it because there was this fear of a knock-on effect, a fear of if we spoke about it, it would promote more suicides. And in actual fact, that is so wrong. We need to take the stigma away from it. And the only way to take the stigma away from it is to be able to speak about it 
and then people will then have the courage to talk about what they're going through and get the help. Yes, thank you for bringing that up. Back to the book. So you wrote the book, and so you are car. You read a carbon pressure. Carbon under carbon under pressure. So we published Rose's story under Meghart, and um, we've. It's been an incredible ride. We have had uh, five-star professional reviews and we've started getting some awards come in. We've got a Book Excellence Award and we just found out a few weeks ago we got the Literary Titan Gold Award. Oh, congratulations. Which is fantastic. Thank you. And so the award is also is because it's so well written, because the story is amazing. So there are different categories, I assume. Uh, yes. So this is a memoir. So it's three years in Rose's life that we cover. It's a memoir about her. And I'll just let you know about the beginning. So Rose wakes up to find her daughter overdosed on sleeping tablets trying to end her life. And we go through a journey where Rose tries to save her daughter, but she also has to peel back the layers to uncover this secret that had been haunting her daughter for as long as she can remember. And we follow Rose's journey trying to save her daughter. Meg Hart is going to write more books. Yes. Yes, we've got another one underway. And we're actually in the process of developing a writing to heal program. People across the globe can, if they choose to, go on the journey like Rose did and like I did as well. I want to ask about the style and how well it was written. Is this something that it was always your passion, talent? Um, yeah, well, we've got a team. I've got Martina Sheehan as well. So she's a ghostwriter. So she really helped a lot with the book as well. I have a passion of telling real stories and bringing them to life. And so does Martina. Discovered this through the process that it's something I really love, passionate about and are good at. <laughs> and what job? did you do before something related no I'm in healthcare completely different and you're still doing that yes I am I still work full-time at the moment while working on this and we're in the process so Meg Hart is a social enterprise organization oh I love that yeah the whole idea when I started Meg Hart it's not to make lots of money it's about making it financially viable, making the money, but putting it back in to help other people and to bring more stories to the world and to really start lighting up and igniting conversations so we can make positive change because I'm determined to leave a legacy for our children so they are never raised to be silenced. I would love our children to be raised to speak their truth and be supported. Yes, that's beautiful. And explain a little more about how do you came up with the idea of a social enterprise? Well, we came up with it by creating Meg Hart. So Meg Hart, when we realized we couldn't publish Rose's book under her name, we created Meg Hart and then we needed to create an entity 
so she could keep the copyright. And then we realised with Meg Hart, we can do so much more. So we wanted to continue this journey on and bring more of these important stories to the world. That's how we set up Meg Hart. Soon, hopefully, in the next six months, be able to start offering these Writing to Heal courses so other people can go on their healing journey. So a social enterprise here in Australia is defined by that it gives a certain amount of its profits back into the organisation to support their community or any endeavours, So, which I suppose is similar. It's where we've set Meg Hart up that all the profits will go straight back in to support other programs and to help other people. Okay, so it's like a non-profit organisation. It's not quite, but we're actually hoping to eventually get to that where we'll change it over to the Meghart Foundation. Oh, okay, okay. So where it's a not, it'll be a full not-for-profit organisation. But that just costs money at the moment. Yes. yes. <laughs> so it costs money to do all that and get the legals and the accounting and, and everything right and the structure. So we'll eventually get there. Yes, I guess it's a bit different than, than here in Canada. And what about the name? How did you come up with Meg Hart? I came up with Meg Hart because Meg actually was always a name I wish I'd called my daughter. <laughs> So I love the name Meg. And to me, Meg has got lots of spunk. She's the name, got a lot, lot of courage and strength. And then heart was, well, pretty much heart, speak from your heart. So he came to you immediately? Um, no, not straight away. We toyed with a few names, but as soon as we said this name, Meg Hart, that was it. It was like, that's it. And the domain name was free. So we just went, that's it, done. <laughs> it's Meg Hart. <laughs> yeah, it is actually very catchy. So I, I like the name. No, it's good. And I'm really excited on what we can go on and achieve. Yes, I think that you don't have anybody else who does something like that in Australia. I don't know anyone that's doing this. That's beautiful. Yeah, really powerful. So we're on our way and we've already, there's quite a few professional reviews have come back saying this story needs to be made into a movie. Uh-huh. It's very powerful. I'm sure that's not going to take too long to happen. No. Yeah, that's wonderful. Yes, you had a very difficult situation. And look at you now, a strong, so kind, sweet woman who had a great idea and is helping the world. It's just about trying to reach and help as many people as we can and just encourage them to find their courage to speak their truth and to speak up. Yes, it is true. And we have to have no fear for what other people think because other people are always going to think something. You can't control that. And in actual fact, it was through speaking my truth, I really found my tribe of people and the people that definitely are not my tribe. <laughs> And it's amazing the power that comes from that. You can't control what people think and say, but actually that's really good because you get to see who is really barracking for you and who's not. You look back and just go, why did I wait so long? Because everybody has their time. Yeah, exactly. But if I can just inspire one person, one person to speak up and to start the healing journey, then I'll be a very happy woman. Do you get angry with yourself sometimes thinking, why did I wait it so long? 
That's a good question. I used to. I used to beat myself up going, my God, why did you stay so long? Why didn't you speak out? You get to a point where I realize, you know what? There's nothing I can do. I can't change that. I can't change how I reacted, what I did. I can't change that I felt like I did the wrong thing by my children. But what I can change is now. And there's a saying that I love. It doesn't matter what has happened to you. It matters what you do with what has happened to you. Life is like a poker game. You don't get to choose the cards you are dealt but it's entirely up to you how you play the hand. And it's so true. So I can't, I want to play my hand, a winning hand in life. That is what I choose. So I can't keep going back over the past if I want to play a winning hand in life. I have to accept it. I have to take responsibility for it, acknowledge it and move on and change the way and learn from my lessons. You're right. What about the person that you were with and how you feel, how could I have chosen this person? To me, he doesn't exist. But I'll be really honest, there are times where I do sit there and go, oh my God, or if I see a photo of him or something, I do feel physically sick, but straight away, I just accept it and move on. That was a bad choice I made in life, but I'm glad I made it because I've got three incredible children from it, but I've moved on. To me, he's irrelevant in my life. It's interesting that this person, I mean, I'm just talking also from my own experience, is, is actually their personality it has nothing to do with you, but the fact that you ever consider being close to this person, you are so judgmental to yourself. So you beat yourself up thinking how terrible that I went out with this person. This person is this person. It has nothing to do with you, right? And that's so important to make because I used to beat myself up a lot. And I still, as I said, go back to that mindset, but I quickly pull myself out. It serves no purpose. So it's about having the strength to shift that mindset and just accept it, make peace with it and move on, own it and let go, set it free. What you're saying is that it doesn't really go away. It comes and go and you just have to know how to, okay, let it go quicker than before probably. Yes, but being so self-aware now, you pick yourself up. And if they say, if that person says, I'm sorry, um, I hope you forgive me. What do you think about that? Like, is it the forgiveness towards him or do you have to forgive yourself more than anything? Gee, I'm so glad you asked me this because no one's actually asked me so far. To me, I don't want him to ask me to forgive him. It's irrelevant whether he wants me to forgive him or not. It, he, he is irrelevant. Do you know why? Because I've already forgiven him and I've forgiven him, not for him, but for me, because I wanted to be set free. And the only way for me is to forgive and move on. And when I say forgive, because I struggled with forgiveness for a long, long time with him. But when you really understand what forgiveness is, Forgiveness isn't giving them a leave pass and saying it's okay what you did. No, it's not okay, you know, um, but forgiveness is accepting what has happened and letting go of it, you know, and making that choice not to be bitter 
or not to be continually influenced by it in your thoughts and your actions. You're saying is is forgiving. You already for kind of forgot about it. Forgiving is, I guess, forgetting in a way. Yes, exactly. I, I find that the that forgiveness has to actually be for me, not for him. Oh yes, forgiveness is all about you, not them. Absolutely not. Forgiveness is being able to get to a point where you accept that it's happened. You don't condone it, but you can accept that it's happened and make peace with it, make the decision that is not going to negatively impact your life any further. And that is where if you look at me, it's taken me a long road to get there. Don't get me wrong. I've made the choice. I've forgiven him, made peace with it let go, but I'm going to use what happened to me and what I've experienced to help others. Because if I can stop someone else suffering the way I have suffered and the way I've seen others suffer, then to me, my job is done. I'm happy. This is a beautiful story. And thank you so much for all the, yeah, all the details and to bring us to your world and to understand what's going on. I really appreciate what you're doing. Meg Hart is a beautiful person, I guess. Thank you. And a great idea. Yes, so Lee, it, it, it was wonderful to have heard your story. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Yes, thank you. I hope you enjoyed it, today's episode. I am Daniela, and you were listening to Because Everyone Has a Story. Please take five seconds right now and think of somebody in your life that may enjoy what you just heard or someone that has a story to be shared and preserved. When you think of that person, shoot them a text with the link of this podcast. This would allow the ordinary magic to go further. Join me next time for another story conversation. Thank you for listening. Hasta pronto.